Well, greetings to you in the precious name of Jesus. You realize this is a, a different kind of a day for our district and, and especially for our congregation. Um, I think I'll start with one verse and, and then we'll talk about some things. But if you turn your Bible with me to Ecclesiastes in chapter 11. Ecclesiastes in chapter 11 and just the first verse. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. give up Pastor Joshua if, if God calls him tonight. Is McGackiesville willing to give up Pastor Calvin if God calls him tonight? See, I, I think back of I, I'm, I'm sharing these things this morning for, for we as a congregation and partly because of what I had to do um, 23 years ago. Um, by the way, just right, how many of you were here at Ebenezer in the year 2000? That's 23 years ago. If you were here, raise your hand. Wow, it's such a few. But you see, in the year 2000, in November, our district needed to ordain two bishops because John Risser and Lester Heatwell were the same age and it was time for them to retire. So they needed to retire together because of their age and so we needed two more bishops for the Blue Ridge District. And the two to be ordained uh, by the voice of the of the district was Gerald Good and myself, both from here. We were the two pastors from here, and we were called to be the bishops of the, of the district. That mean we, means we wouldn't be here regularly after that. And it, this, the, the ordination service was, was that particular Sunday night, I believe the first Sunday night of November of 2000. And that Sunday morning, I was scheduled to preach here just like I am now. That Sunday morning. And then drive up to Harrisonburg, Gerald and I, to be ordained as bishops that, that evening. I don't know if Gerald was here uh, that, that morning or, or not. <laughs> but uh, 
I probably didn't get to preach that morning. I, I had to preach. And so what, what, is I, what was I supposed to say that morning 23 years ago uh, when every, I was preaching to this congregation where Gerald and I would be called to other work? <clears throat> so it was, uh, it was a message that morning of... of, of of words from the scriptures helped us to have, have faith. The, 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 the Sunday school lesson this morning, of course, was, was good for us. God planned it for this day, I suppose. Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. We don't know if, if, if Joshua will be chosen tonight or not. But we have to look at the scriptures and, and operate as if uh, we're willing to, to give him up. <clears throat> and regardless of he, if he is or not, um, the purpose for this bishop ordination is because uh, uh, one day uh, I'll need to retire. And, and so our ministerial will, will, team will, will change uh, Eventually, regardless. Just turn back, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs in chapter 11. Verses 24 and 25. Verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Are, are you willing to give? that you can be blessed? Are we as a congregation willing to, to give and to give up so that really in the end we have the greater blessing? There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, throws out, casts his bread upon the water, and yet he increases. It doesn't make sense, does it? But that's how it works. That's what the Bible says. And that's the kind of faith we must have. And we've seen that in our Sunday school lesson already. Examples from the past in real men and women. And there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but attendeth to poverty. You withhold, you say, no, we can't give up, we can't give up, we can't, we got to keep it, we, we need it for ourselves, we need it. The Bible says it'll tend to poverty. It'll be, have a negative effect on you eventually. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Liberal, you give, easy to give, you want to give, 
you want to give for what God asks, you want to give for the good of others, you want to give to help others. And it says it'll have a positive effect on us. And he that watereth, that gives, you see, shall be positively affected also. I know that these, either of these two brethren that we're considering tonight uh, for, for a bishop in our district, both of them can have a very positive effect on our district. You know, you can look at it in different ways, but they can both have a, a very positive effect on our district. And so I'm looking forward to, to, to this happening because it'll be a blessing. It'll be a blessing to us either way. <laughs> Um, a couple of verses that you don't even have to turn to. It's just back a few chapters earlier in Proverbs 3 that, you know, many of you, most of you memorize them from long ago. It's Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And so 23 years ago, when, when the two preachers from here were going to be ordained bishops for the, for the district, it was hard to understand. I, I give it, it was, it was hard to understand. But I believe it was, it was God's will and way. Even though we didn't, we didn't we, it was hard to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. It was hard to understand how that could be the will and way. And yet, God provided. And then uh, many of these stories of faith that, that we studied in our Sunday school lesson today, you, you know full well that when those men and women were, when it was happening to them, it was hard for them to understand. But, but they had a relationship with God that was such that they were willing to put the next foot forward and take the next step and take the next step, believing and experiencing his power and his, his help as they took the next step. Um. Maybe we'll look at a, a, a few of the verses about Abraham. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. I, I, I guess I won't take time to read the whole passage. You know, you could read... Verses 1 through 18, but if I could just, you know, pull out a, a few things here just to remind us of the great example of the faith of, of Abraham. Starting at verse 1, this is Genesis 22. 
And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. You could start always, already start preaching a sermon as just on that first verse. God spoke, God called, God called, and Abraham said, here I am. How many times in your own life has God spoken to you, but you didn't say, here I am? And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. You see, you, you know the story. He was a miracle child. They couldn't have children. He was a miracle child, that one and only child. And God has said, through him would all the nations of the world be blessed. Now what sense does this make to take him and kill him? Maybe I'll just read the next verse or two and then I'll say a couple things and and we'll move on. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. I doubt if that's in there just to fill up space. That phrase I just read. It's probably there for a purpose. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. I think you understand what it's saying without me trying to explain that. Abraham said, here I am. And Abraham rose up early in the morning to obey God. We won't turn it. If you're taking notes, and if you don't realize this, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'm not going to take time to turn to it. Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19. Uh, let's see, that, that wasn't in our Sunday school lesson, was it? But of course, it's in Hebrews 11. All the verses weren't there. Hebrews 11, 17 to 19. What it's saying is that Abraham went so far as to really, in his heart, he did, he did offer Isaac. Now we know, according to what it says, he actually, in this passage we're looking at here in 22 of of Genesis, he stretched forth his hand with his knife, getting ready to kill his son, as God had said. And of course, then God stopped him. But it says in Hebrews 11, what what it says there in those two or three verses, it's suggesting that in his heart he had given him. So really, even though he didn't physically kill him in his heart, he did. He went all the way with God. He went all the way with God. He obeyed him totally. 
And you and, our, you and I are blessed this morning because of that. I believe as I believe and I know that as Joshua and Calvin give themselves to this to this work, um, I already said we'll be blessed. We'll be blessed. Are we willing to give up so that we can be blessed? You see. Um, let's look at uh, a psalm, uh, Psalm 62. <laughs> Psalms, uh, the book of Psalm and, and Psalm 62. <coughs> <coughs> the first two verses... Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verses 5 to 8. Verse 5. My soul wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Says a psalm of David. And he knew what it was to uh, be in difficult positions. Be in positions where he needed to Put his full trust in God. And uh, it uses the word waiteth there in the first verse. And we might look at some other place that use the word waiteth or waiting. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Uh, We're all waiting. we, we're waiting with, with, with trust and hope. We're waiting on the one that is our rock. We're waiting on the one that is our salvation. And we waiting, we wait on him uh, expectantly. Verse 5, my soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. We expect that he will give us the right answer. We expect that he will give a blessing when we operate in his will and way. Um, 
I, I just thought it might be good to think about how God has blessed this little congregation over the years. And to look at, at what, it's what hap, what, what's happening today and tonight in our district as just another step of faith. And because this congregation is so, so much involved, uh, yes, a, a step of faith, another step of faith in the life of this congregation. And so, um, only a few of you older ones, you know, know some of these things that I'm going to read here. Uh, and so, it'll be fresh and new to, to the rest of you, if you have never heard of it or thought of it before. But I'm, I'm reading a portion of a, a report, a, a history, a history on the Ebenezer congregation just up until 1951 that my grandfather, Henry Good, wrote. He prepared this paper to present at what was called a Christian Workers' Conference at a church, Zion Mennonite Church, which is between Harrisonburg and, and Broadway, really closer to Broadway, just south of Broadway. Uh, they're right next to the Hartman Boys Machinery business, just off of 42 there, Zion Church. And uh, they were hosting, this was in 1951. In November of 1951, hosting a Christian Workers' Conference, and this paper was prepared by my grandfather, Henry Good, raised his, most of his family right there in Ivan's house. And uh, then this was, was, uh, was printed in a paper that was distributed in that day called the Missionary Light. Uh, <clears throat> I guess I take for granted it was like a paper that was, I believe was a monthly, maybe, that was distributed by what was, I guess, the, the mission committee uh, of, of, uh, of, of Virginia Conference. <clears throat> so I, I'm going to read part of it. Um, it starts at the beginning when, when my great-grandfather moved here. It was 1904, and uh, he just tells about some things that happened up until 1951, when he, when he wrote this article. In the fall of 1904, preacher Henry H. Good, and by the way, if you ever look into history and you see these Henry Goods, you might get a little confused. Some of you, of course, know this, but uh, there was three Henry Goods in a, in a row. Uh, the, first, the first Henry Good, uh, he... he he lived in Harrisonburg, I suppose he moved, I think he moved from Pennsylvania, Lancaster to Harrisonburg. And then he had a son, Henry H. So whenever you see Henry H., that's the middle one. And he's the one that came here in 1904 and started the, the first Mennonites in the area. And then, then he had a son, Henry. So whenever you see Henry H., that's, that's my great-grandfather, that's the middle one of the three Henrys, okay? Preacher Henry H. Good and his wife, uh, Two daughters uh, moved from Knoxville, Tennessee to Wolf Trap. Wolf Trap. That was a town. That <laughs> was down here where the railroad crossed the road. I mean, there was a post office there, you know, a store, 
you know, a church, you know, uh, that was a community. Uh, I mean, railroad crossings were communities, you know, <laughs> were towns. You know, it says Wolf Trap, Virginia, you could get your mail there. <laughs> That's where he moved to. Uh, two or three years uh, later, two sons moved, uh, Levi Good and, and my grandfather Henry Good. That was his two sons that moved here soon after that. Uh, and since it mentions about some others that moved here. And, uh, but uh, October the 10th, 1908, only uh, four years after my great-grandfather was here, he died. And uh, he was the first one buried right out here in our cemetery. It was not our cemetery then. He, uh, it, it was, it, I, I don't think it was even owned by this congregation at that point. But uh, maybe the thought, was, the thought was sometime to have a church here. The thought was that that would be the cemetery. And so uh, he had to be buried somewhere. And so he was the first one buried out there. <laughs> so uh, my great-grandfather died after being here. Only four years. Um, some preacher from Rockingham County, Harrisonburg area, came down and helped with the funeral. Uh, at this time, the group had no meeting house of its own and held services in Wolf Trap at a union meeting house, which was used by several denominations. <clears throat> It talks about some other people that came to the area. <clears throat> Christmas Day, 1908. <coughs> that would have been just a couple of months after my great-grandfather died. Was the, first, uh, was the beginning of the first series of uh, revival meetings. And uh, it says eight precious souls accepted Christ. Six of those were natives from the area here. Then it talks about later on they had baptismal service. <coughs> uh, the first business meeting, first business meeting was held um, in, uh, in March of 1909. And uh, as a result, uh, they decided uh, to purchase uh, two acres, these two acres right here, by the way. They purchased these two acres for $40, okay? And uh, for a building site and a cemetery. And the property here was named Pleasant View. Pleasant View was the name of this place. Talks about some other people that, were, uh, that moved here. <coughs> uh, including Gabe Brunk. Gabe Brunk would be your, your grandfather, right? James. Ivan's great-grandfather, right? Yes. Yes. That was your, your grandmother, Bear's uh, father. 
And uh, they had talked about a council meeting they had in the spring of 2009. And uh, it was decided uh, then uh, at that council meeting to ask for uh, some more leadership. And that was granted, <coughs> granted to them at conference. <coughs> the conference was at Springdale. Joe, uh, you know where Springdale Church is? So Springdale Mennonite Church is up there close to Waynesboro and Stewart's draft. <clears throat> One of the things I uh, would mention is that uh, it mentions here the uh, <coughs> membership that they had. So in uh, some time in 09, there was a membership of 36 members here at Ebenezer. And uh, then in 1910, sometime in 1910, <coughs> it had increased already to 53. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, that in that early day, there was that many members here at Ebenezer already. Um, <coughs> what, what's kind of hard to understand and you have to realize that day was a little different than today <coughs> different in, in many different ways <coughs> but <coughs> there was a period of one time a period of about seven years that they did not have a, a preacher here I think normally there was a bishop provided for the church, but he did not live here. <clears throat> they had bishop help from Harrisonburg. They had bishop help from Virginia Beach. But uh, <clears throat> later on, <coughs> there was a period of time of almost 11 years they did not have a preacher here. We, we, it's hard for us to comprehend, but it was the truth. But God, uh, God provided. You know, with with without preacher help here. Let me see if I can find um, this one place. Uh, <clears throat> this period of time when there was no preacher here, I think this was the second period of time, which was about 11 years. <clears throat> During this period, we were served by visiting ministers from various places. <clears throat> the congregation labored 
on as best they could. Besides regular services, there were community prayer meetings in homes. These meetings were well attended. <coughs> and great interest was shown. Many were led to look deeper into the scriptures and some were added to the church. And so, let me tell you, just without reading, I'll just tell you this. <clears throat> From what I just said there, <clears throat> many were led to look deeper into the scriptures, and some were added to the church. The Sneed Farm right up here next to James, from James's, uh, it's not James, Ivan's, <laughs> Ivan's property now, <laughs> behind Mark and Rosanna, <clears throat> the row of pine trees behind Mark and Rosanna's house, that divides the good farm from Sneed Farm, and the Sneed Farm goes from there all the way up to 360. <clears throat> so Otis Sneed grew up down here in Scottsburg, close to Dan and Beverly somehow moved up here, <clears throat> started coming to church here, eventually joined the church. <clears throat> Some years later was ordained minister here. He was ordained minister here in 1936. <clears throat> he lived right there in that little two-story brick house right straight across from Mark's pasture. He served longer as pastor here in this church than any other pastor has ever served. <clears throat> he was a pastor of this church for 30 years. <clears throat> he did not come from Anabaptist background. <clears throat> that doesn't make any difference. I'm just telling you the facts. After going through periods of time when they didn't have a preacher for six or seven years. Another period of time, didn't have a preacher for 11 years. Eventually, Otis Sneed was ordained and served as a preacher here for 30 years. <clears throat> now, I've been ordained for, for 30 years, but you realize seven years after I was ordained as one of the pastors here, then I was ordained bishop. So then I've been, you know, had to travel around and serve other churches also. So it's not like I was here all the time. You, you know that well. <laughs> But Otis Need was a tremendous blessing for those 30 years of <coughs> being here that long, you know, that continuity. <coughs> um, maybe I'll just mention one other thing and then we'll look at a couple of scriptures yet and, and then close. But uh, so uh, <coughs> this little meeting house down here at Wolf Trap where they met in, it was a community meeting house. One day it burned down. Uh, and for part of the year, the school board permitted us to use the Wolf Trap School for a meeting house until we could build another church. So the Wolf Trap School that still <coughs> stands right down the road here, right across from what the Martin couple that pulls the sheds, you know, <laughs> that building, that's Wolf Trap School. 
And so the church met in there uh, for a while. And uh, much credit is due our, our bishop, Brother Garber, our Bishop Garber from Harrisonburg. He was serving as bishop at the time for his sympathetic help by the way of encouragement, solicitation, and labor with his hands toward the completion of the new uh, church building. And I say, yeah, maybe it was, yeah, maybe it was Pastor Garber. His dad was the bishop and, and his son uh, was the pastor. So maybe, maybe it was the Garber that was actually living here and being the preacher at that time. <clears throat> um, but this is what he did. Brother Noah Mack, who had visited our congregation and had been touched by uh, a gift of flowers from a little girl when he boarded the train to Wolf, at Wolf Trap. So in other words, this Noah Mack from Lancaster, Pennsylvania had come down here and had some special meetings. <clears throat> he got on a train at Wolf Trap to go back to Pennsylvania and <clears throat> some little community girl here had met him and appreciated his ministry among us and so she knew he was leaving so he, she jumped up on the train with his bouquet of flowers for him to, to say thank you as he traveled back to Pennsylvania. <coughs> and so then Mr. Mack back in Pennsylvania he later heard of the misfortune of the burned church house People here didn't have a church to live in, to, to worship in. <clears throat> he raised $500 in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and sent down here for this building that we're sitting in right now. Of course, that was in 1932. You can see out here on the side. <clears throat> the cash that was laid out for this building in 1932, this sanctuary right here, when you walk through that door right there, you walked outside, so that front part was not on there. When you walked out past the back benches, you walked outside. <clears throat> but this was all, it was just like this. <clears throat> not this trim, but you know, as far as the main structure, this is how it was. <clears throat> Two little rooms in the front, nothing in the back. <clears throat> it cost $1,600 to build this, this sanctuary. $1,600 in that day, 1932. Of course, most of the labor and <coughs> some of the materials were donated. But they put out $1,600. <coughs> almost one-third of the price of this building then, almost one-third of the cost of this building, came from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, by a kind preacher that had been here. See, God has blessed us as we took step after step, steps of faith here at Ebenezer, way before any of us can remember, but it happened. <coughs> and I know that uh, God will, will bless us today and tonight and in the days to come as we walk by faith. Most of you know Wendy Good from right up the road here at Gladys and Lynchburg. And you know her unfortunate situation in her marriage and how she has given her, her heart and soul to, <coughs> to song and singing and to help others in 
with music over the years. <laughs> this is one of the songs she wrote. I, I wrote the words down here kind of small and I'd like to, to read it for you. It has to do with trust. Trust. So she made an acrostic out of the word trust. This is how it goes. Trust in the Lord. Hope, O oh my soul, in his word. T is for tenderness. Trust him for his tenderness. R is for righteousness. Righteous are his ways. U for understanding. Oh, how limitless. S, he sees you. The sovereign Lord sees. And do not fear. And do not strive. Wait. Rest. For he is in control. His timing is perfect. I'll just quote uh, Psalm 27:14, and then I'll, I'll sit down and the song leader can lead us in a song. But Psalm 27:14 says this: "Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart." Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's sing together.